0: Welcome to Practicing, an ongoing conversation about spiritual practices. My name is Jason Pfeffer and I will be your host on this journey. I am so glad you are joining us. In this podcast, we are exploring different ways of practicing our faith. We practice our faith because, well, because we're all practicing, aren't we? Growing each day in our ability to follow Jesus and his teachings takes practice. Christian spiritual practices are not great lofty activities for really serious Christians. They are for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. Spiritual practices are simply any activity that helps us become attentive to the presence of Jesus in our everyday lives. Because in his presence, we are formed by Jesus to be like Jesus for the sake of the world. In this first season, we are exploring the basics of spiritual practices. What are they? Why are they important? What do they do and where do they come from? We want to demystify spiritual practices so that we can clearly see how they may help us follow Jesus. Coming along on this journey, we have the incredible Jenny Potter. Jenny is producing this little endeavor. We're grateful for her wisdom and for keeping us on track. You'll get to hear from her just a little bit later. And I'm also joined by the most amazing co-host, Andy Moss. Andy, I'm excited to have you along for these conversations, my friend. Jason,
1: Jason, thank you. It's a pleasure. Great to join you.
0: Andy, you are a teacher, you're a trainer, you write the Willow Creek Daily Devotionals. Andy, I am so excited to have you along on this journey and I'm gonna ask you one question if you don't mind. Beans on toast, what's, what's that
1: all about, Andy? Jason, beans on toast. Well, first let me say uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to, uh, to join you and I'm really excited to, to learn from you and all our guests on uh, this podcast series. Beans on toast, uh, it, it is delicious, um, and it's simple. It's just made of beans and toast. You can, you can chop that toast up and put it in bits and cover it in beans. You can separate it on the plate. You can pour the beans all over the toast. Great on a Sunday evening, particularly in the winter. Delicious beans on toast. Can't <laughs> beat guess- it. Can't beat it. <laughs> our,
0: our guest on this episode is Adele Calhoun. Adele, have you ever had beans on toast?
2: Oh, yes, I have.
0: And, and as, uh, as someone who has not partaken of this uh, British delicacy, is it, is it something you would suggest? Should, should I try beans on toast?
2: Why would you miss out on a quintessential <laughs> British experience? It's so simple. Beans on toast.
0: Okay. Go. Beans on toast. Before the next <laughs> podcast, I will, I will have tried beans on toast. Well, you've already heard her talking here. Our guest for this podcast episode is Adele Calhoun. Adele is a pastor, a teacher, and an author. Uh, One of her books, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, is the book that I think, outside of the Bible, the book that I probably reference the most often in the work that I do. Uh, And it's uh, certainly one of the books that I most frequently recommend to people and give away. We're so excited that you're with us. Thanks for joining us for this conversation.
2: It's a pleasure, Jason. I'm glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Well, Adele, kick us off. What are spiritual practices?
2: Spiritual practices are simply ways you make space for God in your busy, daily coming and goings. They're not something outside of your life. They're not something you necessarily have to add in or let go of. They're the things that fit the life you have that make space for God in ways that um, you can access and pay attention.
0: Talk a little bit more about that, making space for God.
2: So God is present all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's we who aren't present. We aren't even present to ourselves. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we're not present to the people around us. We are on automatic pilot. We're just going through our life, doing the things, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we don't live with an awareness of the nearness and the presence of God. And in fact, often our prayers are... um, Lord, we ask you to be present, you know, as though God isn't here. Mm -hmm. So I think of spiritual practices as ways we become present to the reality that we live every moment of our lives in the presence of God. And all we have to do is notice.
1: So Adele, I'm I'm wondering, uh, for someone who isn't used to the idea of thinking about God being present here with us, um, for you, what does it mean Uh, to to be present with God in your daily life?
2: For me, it means not being on automatic pilot. And so I, I would say there was a time when I thought, okay, I'll get up in the morning. And if I have time, maybe I'll read a little bit of scripture before I dash out the door. And then I'll go through my whole day. And then at the end of the day, if I have any ounce of energy in me, I'll say a prayer when I say goodnight but there was almost this sense that god was at the beginning and god was in the end and everything in beti- between was detached so for me spiritual practices have been a way of weaving the events of my life into the story of god and into the presence of god
0: yeah because we don't we don't often think about our everyday life as spiritual do we we have this sense of sacred and ordinary or sacred and then there's the mundane, the secular parts of our lives. We don't we don't often think of the everyday moments as sacred as well.
2: That's right. And I think because we we live in that sort of separation between sacred and profane or however you want to to put it, secular, sacred, that we don't have an ability to hear how God breaks in to everyday. Mm. all day long yeah and so spiritual practices are are sort of like being on a god hunt with my kids we used to be on um you know i'm a little brownie two inches high guess where i'm hiding you know to (laughs) to to look for things or i spy with my little eyes so Mm. there's something about spiritual practices that are just almost childlike i'm i'm seeking you god i'm looking for you I want to see where you are in
0: this. Mm. What are some examples of spiritual practices that have been really meaningful to you in your life, Adele?
2: Oh, there's so many because they go with seasons, I find, mm. that there are things we can do in one season that we can't do in the next. Let's see, what, what do I want to choose? <laughs> uh, one delicious spiritual discipline for me is um, walking prayer, mm. just that I... I pray as I move because there's something about moving for me that keeps me open and awake. Hmm. And I just find that when I sit still, my mind wanders more than when I
0: walk. Hmm. So
2: it's yeah. simply a way of, of moving. And if you think of all the times Jesus walked with his disciples and they talked just they were on the road and how their hearts could burn within in them as they mm. talked to Jesus, mm-hmm, that there's mm-hmm. something about that movement to me that was um, very much visible in the life of Jesus. Yeah. That, that I don't know. I mean, there were Jewish prayers, you know, people in Jewish communities had spiritual practices and Jesus and his disciples did them. They went to the temple to pray. You know, they had certain set prayers that they'd memorized that they said in the morning and the midday and evening and so forth. We don't have any example of them really sitting down and bowing their heads and praying. We have lots of other examples, but not that.
0: Yeah. Well, Adele, you've been pastoring for years. How have you experienced churches talking about spiritual practices?
2: That's a, that's a great question, Jason. Because in my experience, um, in every church I've been in, we tend to focus on probably four spiritual practices more than all others. We focus on reading the Bible. We focus on prayer. We focus on worship. Those are probably the three major. And then if somebody's really going to be adventuresome, they'll say, well, what about fasting? <laughs> <So> it's like, <laughs> there are four spiritual practices. And those were the only four I knew about growing up. And, you know, they are great spiritual practices and yet there are many, many more. And I feel like sometimes people just get stuck in Mm. their journeys because they're doing the same thing over and over, but somehow they feel like it's become rote or, Mm. um, they they fall asleep to it and it's like i think in any relationship i mean spiritual practices are about a living breathing relationship with jesus and if it if these practices aren't leading you to love and worship god then why are you doing them you know mm. makes no sense so it's this sense of what practices are keeping me awake and alert and alive to jesus and so for me to enter into Um, You know, celebration is a spiritual practice. It's all through the Bible. Mm. A joyful practice, I'd celebrate. And, you know, eating together and having meals together. The early church did this. It's a spiritual practice. Breaking bread together is a spiritual Mm. practice. And when we do it with intention, there's this sense of inviting God um, to be present with us in a way that we're like, this is great. And Jesus is here
0: too. Do you think that there are some spiritual practices that we engage in in church today that maybe we don't even really recognize them as spiritual practices, or maybe engage them in a way that they help to open us up to the presence of God, to recognize God's presence around us, to weave that experience of following Jesus in our everyday lives?
2: Well, I think singing music is a is a wonderful spiritual practice, but how many people think of it as a spiritual practice Mm. that we actually gather together to sing as a community of faith of our love and our devotion to God. And I think, you know, when you're not in a church, how many people listen to praise music all the time it's Mm. or at times of distress. I mean, my husband, when he is distressed, one of the things that most, speaks to his soul is to listen to praise music mm. it's what opens him to god it's what makes him feel like things aren't as overwhelming as they seem in the moment mm. and so if that leads him to that groundedness in god it is a spiritual practice
1: i'm wondering how do we help one another then to to take what may be a very established activity and turn it into something that for us becomes a spiritual practice because from what i'm hearing you say and i've heard jason say it as well we, we may be doing something that could become a spiritual practice and yet yet for many of us maybe there's something missing We're we're not we're maybe not doing it quite right for want of a better word
2: <laughs> so i think things that are t- are done with attention and intentionality I mean, if if I want to spend time with my husband in an intentional and attentional way, we have a very different sort of conversation than if we're just passing each other in our house, talking to each other and not really listening. And I'm saying, What? What did you say? And so there's lots of things that can become spiritual practices if they are ways that we are intentional about really opening ourselves to God.
1: These seem to be very freeing practices. It seems to. (laughs) move you away from feeling I ought to do that. I'm in church, so I ought to do this because everyone else is.
2: That is a great point. That's a great point because I feel like so many of us grew up where well, you ought to have a quiet time. Mm-hmm. You ought to pray. You ought to spend time with God. And I, in my experience, I'm just saying my experience is ought or should mm-hmm. can take me about, about three months And I'm like, "Eh, eh, (laughs) it's not doing it for me. But if you have a desire, it can take you a long way. And so it's fascinating to me that Jesus in the Gospels, I read through all four Gospels just to see how many times he says to people, what do you want? Do you want this? And he seems to know that there's something about desire that is spiritual fuel. And so Mm. I'm much more concerned, not that people find what they think they ought to do, but what do they want? What do they want from God? What are they seeking from God? Jesus, one of his very first questions to his would-be disciples is, what do you want? What what do you want? They said, well, we wanna go see what you're doing. (laughs) Okay, that's good enough. I believe that desire is part of how you find your spiritual practice. Okay. And in the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, there's a bunch of desires. I want to make my journey with, with a companion who's also on a spiritual journey. Well, so if that's your desire, there's a practice like spiritual friendship oh. or I want to be held accountable to certain things that I want to do in my life. So, okay, there's a practice called an accountability partner or I want to learn how to hear God's Voice in my life, and I don't think I know how. And I want to talk to somebody about how I hear God, so spiritual direction. So, there's what I try to do is match desire up to a practice. So, people just um, can either there's a uh, actually a little assessment if you don't, if you're not very good at knowing your (laughs) desires, and some people aren't, you know, it's like, what do I want? I'm not sure, but you can. Find something that you want, and then say, "Okay, I'm going to read three pages about this, and I'm going to practice." And so it's not like a the spiritual disciplines handbook is not a book you read cover to cover. It's like find your desire and go, <laughs> <laughs> try it out,
0: practice it. And Adele, we we live in a world, at least in our churches, where desires gotten a bit of a bad rap. <laughs> I mean, what, what would you say to someone who who is listening right now and hears you talk about desire and is like, "Well, wait, wait a minute, you don't know my desires. You don't know the things that I'm desire. Desire is not helpful at all." What would you say to someone who's thinking that?
2: So I'd probably say two two things. One is that what does it mean to you that Jesus is so interested in your desires? Okay. What does it mean that he really is interested? And then I'd say, how many of those desires that you want to talk about actually reflect something deeper, Mm. some other longing that is far more um, powerful and what you desire has sort of become your shortcut
0: Mm.
2: to filling some emptiness that's inside of you. So I would ask for them, you know, it's not wishes, you know, I wish I had. No, it's, this is what I'm genuinely seeking. And if, if I am so lonely that I am trying to satisfy that loneliness on websites or with porn, I have to say, well, if it's loneliness, is there a spiritual practice that actually addresses that? rather than some addictive behavior, be anything that keeps me from actually opening that part of myself to God.
0: One of the things that I've often thought, Adele, is that our desires, because we have, it's almost like there's there's layers of desires, right? That there might be that, that surface desire, let's say for food, and there's really something beneath that. And then there's usually something beneath that. And Mm-hmm. Our desires are almost like breadcrumbs. And That's if right. we and if we follow that trail, then eventually we find there is really a desire. I mean, it's really a desire to experience God more fully. That's right. It is. And I sometimes
2: think that it's we can follow the desires, but sometimes the desires seem wrong or sinful or bad, as you would say. And I would say, so follow those follow that wounding, follow that sin, that it, it's a path to God, you know, it will lead you back to God. If you will follow it.
0: Say more about that following. What do you mean by, by following that desire?
2: Well, um, I just think about mistakes like failure. Say, I hate to fail. So instead of admitting I fail or saying, I'm sorry, I failed or, that failure really did cost us a lot of money, or you know, telling the truth about it. If I will start telling the truth about the failure, then there's a God who's right there ready to say, I love people who fail. Mm. You know? Failure is not the worst thing, but as long as I keep failure away from me, God can't say those words to me. Mm. I have to be able to be aware of the places that I'm wounded or broken or hungry or desiring in order to access the things God has available for me.
1: This is fascinating to me. I I have found, I think, that the idea of trying, wanting to become more like Jesus or the expression of Jesus I was created to be can feel so vast and hard to grow into. But what I, what I think I'm hearing you say, Adele, is that within each of us, we're wired up with particular desires. And if we can find just one or two practices to start with, to, to, to experiment with and enjoy, that actually can help us to, to take some steps and to grow, perhaps, in a That's way that right. feels maybe more, I don't want to say manageable, but more manageable.
2: Well, I think if we're just going with the four practices, read your Bible, pray, fast, worship, um, it's sort of like giving people a generic pill and saying, Here, this will cure what ails you. And while all four of those practices are wonderful practices, there is uh, not a generic discipline yeah. that meets us all in the same way. And, you know, I've had people who have been in crisis come to me and say, God is not good and I am not reading my Bible. Well, so they're still wanting a conversation with God. So there are ways of being with God that, okay, you're not reading the Bible. Let's talk about what you want to say to God. What used to be the best way you connected with God? Well, you know, I like worship music or I like to be out in nature. When I, when I run, that's the best time I feel most open to God. Well, I would say, well, go do that. Wherever the veil is thinnest to you, go to that place because that's the place God is. Don't try to go to the place where you feel God isn't.
1: What would you say to someone who perhaps this is a brand new conversation for them and maybe feels uh, a little nervous to take that step? It seems out of the ordinary or it isn't what everyone else does. And so they feel maybe that they might even be being disobedient or... I don't know. Just they're just very nervous about trying something different. How would you, how would you encourage them that it's okay? It's okay to do that.
2: I think I would want to to ask them a little bit about their fear first. You know, what is it that makes you um, afraid? Are you afraid that? What are you afraid of? And I think there's probably a story if people are a little nervous about trying something else. Maybe they grew up in a legalistic background. Or they just are somebody who wants to do it right, and they're like, "What if I don't do it right?" Or maybe there is somebody who's afraid that, uh, you know, if I do that, will I get led astray and and end up, you know, in some new age thing? You know, is this new age? Yeah, yeah. And um, God create. I mean, we we all we always talk about the word of God, but there are there are really three words of God, four words of God, maybe. You can say, there's the inscripturated Word of God. Read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it is God's Word to you. When it speaks to you, it's, it is God's Word to you. Mm-hmm. And But who is the living Word of God? Is mm-hmm. Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. Jesus is the living Word of God. And Jesus can speak to our hearts and can bring a Word of Scripture to mind or bring a truth to mind. The living Word of God... There's also, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows its handiwork. Jesus says, look at the birds of the field. Look at the the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. This is what they are saying. Job, you know, Job 12, go to the animals. Let them tell you. You There's this sense that scripture itself says, there are other ways of hearing from God. And then there are, you know, David heard from God through Nathan. We can be a word of God to each other. And so part of it for me is go look in your Bible. You will find there are ways of hearing God
0: that are are there.
1: That is very helpful. Thank you.
0: Adele, one of the things that I keep hearing come up in our conversation is it's really there's a need for us to be present to ourselves right? To be even curious about why, uh, why am I sensing a resistance? What am I afraid of? How do I not uh, just go on autopilot through my day? Uh, Mm. There seems like there is a, a need for us to be more present, not only to the presence of God in our everyday life, but even present to ourselves in the midst of our lives.
2: So there are a number of spiritual practices that are about practicing the presence. There's practicing the presence of people. You know, if I go through my marriage and never practice the presence of Doug, what kind of marriage will we have? You know? There's practicing the presence of God. Wonderful little book by brother Lawrence, you know, practicing the presence of God while he peeled potatoes. You know, you could practice the presence of God while you fold the laundry you can practice the presence of god while you put a child to bed and practicing the presence of me you know that this sense of, of um, what's going on in me right now that i feel so frustrated and impatient what is that about no is that about my lack of sleep more than the fact that jason's a pill you know what is it about <laughs> And when I know what it's about, I can do something about it. But if I'm just going to blame you for being a pill, <laughs> then I'll be frustrated with you and short and mean. And
0: to be fair, <laughs> most of the time, blaming me for being a pill for being a pill would be absolutely appropriate. But <laughs> I uh, will you bless
2: your self. wife. <laughs> Lots of uh, spiritual practices she
0: uh, can <laughs> <laughs> and she does regularly. she's, yeah. she's a saint. I, you know there's there's something that that honestly it, it sometimes can feel a little bit selfish to think about that, right? To, to have that kind of focus on myself. I feel like we we're often told that we shouldn't focus on ourselves, that we um, that, 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 that's that, that's being selfish. Right. I mean, is there anything that you would say to people who are thinking that?
2: Yes. <laughs> I, I do have something I would say. So I'm going to say this is, this is something that is nuanced. You know, there is living a self-referenced life. There is being selfish. There is putting myself before my husband and my family. There is me being all about my ego What about me? What about my wants? What about my desires? What about my needs? What about, this isn't fair for me? Well, you can hear in that, that is very Mm self-referenced. And it is is an ego orientation. I need my needs met. I need this done for me. Now, right now. Mm -hmm. But to be self-aware is so utterly different. (laughs) It is to say, I see myself doing those things. And I can say, those things are not healthy things for me to do. Those things are not godly things. Those things, comparing myself to people and then making judgments about myself, they don't do anything to help me know God. So part of it is being aware. God cannot change what you are not aware of. You cannot be conformed to the image of Christ if you are not aware of the places that your personality is unusable by God in their present form. That's self-awareness. This is not usable by God right now. I see
1: it. (laughs) Adele, can we, there's a middle ground, it seems, between, say, an obviously godly behavior and obviously ungodly behavior, like peeling potatoes. So you mentioned peeling potatoes. How, How do you become aware of the presence of God when you're peeling potatoes or laying your child down to sleep or whatever it may be?
2: So I think it probably is different for um, people. But for me, um, when I am doing repetitive tasks, part of the time it's the sense of really experiencing that there is a, a, a goodness in the thing I'm doing. That it's not just, you know, preparing a meal, doing the dishes, you're sweeping the floor, raking the leaves. You know, these are things that I can do. I have a body. I can do them, a healthy body. And so I, I simply settle into the enjoyment of what is. In that moment, I'm peeling potatoes rather than saying, I, I wish I could be outside. I wish I wasn't doing this. It's, it's the sense of you can only find God in what is not in what isn't. And so if peeling potatoes is what you are doing, peel them in the presence of God. So Jason started out by talking about silence and solitude. And I know that people have a hard time with these spiritual practices, and I keep kicking my water over. But I want to say they have trouble with it because it's very unnerving and unsettling. And we're so, our minds are so distractible and it's really hard to get quiet. And so I, I understand the, the, the difficulty in these things. But the fruit of many spiritual practices, including silence and solitude and practicing the presence of God, may not be that you go away saying, Oh, I just had this wonderful experience of God. The practice itself quiets your heart allows the spirit to shift things inside of you that you may not even be aware of maybe while you're peeling potatoes you're just contemplating a bible verse you know whatever it is then 3 weeks later you're talking to somebody and you have a word of wisdom that is way wiser than any word you ever ever <laughs> thought of where did that come from i right. believe that comes from these practices you know the practices aren't like Put in a dime and get out a candy bar.
0: Hmm.
2: God is not this vending machine. It is a way that we open ourselves to God. And we allow God to do work that we can't see. It's like the seed hidden in the ground. Barbara Brown Taylor says, spiritual growth, everything begins in the dark. From the womb to life, Lazarus in the tomb to life, from darkness to light, everything begins in the dark. And we want to say, well, I, I was quiet for 20 minutes and, and I got nothing out of it. How do you know?
1: Mm-hmm. You don't know. Right. <laughs> what you seem to be saying is that a lot of spiritual practices require us to, to listen and to wait. And it's not just like a conversation where we say, oh, hi, God. And then we wait for God to speak directly <laughs> back to us right. and we're done and we can move on. It, it involves waiting and patience and lots of things that we really find hard to do.
2: Well, and I would say, I think it's Dallard Willard says there's two kinds of uh, disciplines. There's disciplines of engagement, which are much more active. Okay. You know, service, justice um, helps these things get you out and moving in communities and doing good. And,
3: okay.
2: and then there are disciplines of um, disengagement, silence and solitude that pull you away. And it's it's really this sense of um, letting these disciplines weave through our lives, engagement, disengagement, um, what's another word, corporate disciplines that we do together, individual diff- disciplines that we do alone. Those of us that are active often need to go to some of the practices of disengagement because if if all we do is is activate, we deplete the soul and we need to have the soul filled up. And Hmm. contemplative quiet disciplines can do some of that filling up but if we're only sitting there contemplating we probably need to get out (laughs) (laughs) and do some of the other things that activate us in the world because we really are that's the whole of who we are both active and contemplative
0: this is wonderful Adele now one of the things that's I think really important to Andy and I is that this podcast isn't uh just a bunch of information that that uh, hopefully this was enjoyable and people have learned something from our time together but uh, we don't want it to end there right we want there to be some sort of invitation moving forward and i wonder adele as you think about what we've talked about in your uh, experience in the church with uh, spiritual disciplines and pastoring people if you were going to offer an invitation to the listeners of this podcast for this week how would you invite us to engage the presence of god in spiritual practices more intentionally this week
2: so one i would i would ask people to think about what they're really seeking from god are they seeking peace Are they seeking a way to try to overcome anxiety in their lives? Are they seeking more patience with a difficult person? Are they seeking just a sense of um, finding Jesus at work? You know, where's Jesus in my workplace? Are they seeking, what are they seeking? Um, Because once they can name that, then I feel like the spiritual practice comes so I would say this, this week, talk to Jesus about what you want. Mm-hmm. And when you think that the want is not right, ask Jesus to show you, is there a deeper want that I'm missing here? Mm-hmm. And what do you have to say to me about that? I love that.
0: Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks for being with us. It was such a gift to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank well, you,
2: though. A pleasure. Andy, Jason, thank
0: you. Thank you. Wow. I love Adele Calhoun. I feel like I need to listen to this conversation three more times to glean all of the wisdom that she had to share with us today. As you think about all that she shared, what stood out to you? What did you notice? what resonated with you from the conversation that we just had. We are welcoming Jenny back into the conversation, Jenny and Andy. uh, What is sticking with you from this conversation? What, what are we hearing from God? I
1: think one of the things that struck me for sure was the point Adele made that it's in the real things that we encounter God. Mm. Um, encountering where he is rather than where he isn't um, and that practices really help us to align our spiritual desires with, with encountering him and i would never really thought of it in those terms before that uh, rather than selecting from the three or four spiritual practices she, she mentioned actually there's we have a lot more freedom to uh, pursue practices that really I suppose we feel in tune with and that we feel and we're going to enable us to genuinely meet God where he is rather than go through this, this exercise, which is nothing more than, uh, I don't know, conceptual or routine uh, and just is completely unsatisfying. So that's what struck me. I I was very much just being drawn into reality, meet God where he is.
0: Well, it was a great sense of freedom, wasn't it? In the way she spoke about it.
1: Yeah. And you get away from the, as she said, you get away from the oughts and the shoulds Mm -hmm. and you get into the, you know, this is what I can do and this is what I would like to do. And that's so much more uh, inspiring and motivating. And I think the way God designed us, I don't think God designed us to grind things out all the time, Mm -hmm. particularly in relationship with him.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think too about just the idea of sort of examining the spiritual practices that we do. I mean, looking, looking down and saying, that how is this practice working out for me, right? Am I doing, is it, is it become a a drudgery? Am I just doing it because I'm supposed to, or I should, or is there something that I can do to move towards a greater connection with God in the practice, whether that's letting go of this practice and picking up another one or perhaps refocusing my intention, the way I intentionally uh, engage that practice and how that might lead to that sense of. God's presence.
1: Absolutely. And she may, I, I know Adele mentioned several times, I think, her, her relationship with her husband and her family. And we know that in human relationships, we wouldn't all persevere with something that really was not enabling us to connect with, with our family and become more intimate with our family. We'd find something new. We would find something that matched the way God had wired us up. So um, yeah, that seemed to make a lot of sense to me. And again, as you said, Jason, very freeing, very liberating. So a lot to, a lot to think about there and explore, I think.
0: Yeah, I love it. What about you, Jenny? What stood out to you?
3: I really loved kind of the invitation to not compartmentalize our spiritual practice. I found Mm. myself really resonating with the part where she talked about, you know, kind of avoiding this autopilot way of living. And this idea of, God, you're with me in the morning, and then I'll do my day, and then I'll return to you at the end of the day. This, I mean, Andy, I know you even picked up on that, the idea of kind of weaving her spiritual practice into her daily life. That really resonated with me. And then it's always nice to feel validated. (laughs) And so when she talked about doing her prayer walk, that is something that I've always talked about, that that is... And I thought that I like made it up. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to hear her say, there's something about moving that keeps me open mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and able to focus. When she was talking about Jesus doing it, I was like, oh yeah, maybe this is, maybe some of these things are more innate within us and we pay attention to to that as opposed to kind of what she was talking about with the four that are kind of the most often prescribed spiritual disciplines that there's an invitation to get a, to move beyond those. Yeah. I just found incredibly freeing. Yeah. I really enjoyed, enjoyed that part. Yeah. Knowing that it almost felt like a seal of approval that I got from her
0: Mm -hmm. or something
3: like, Mm -hmm. Hey, this thing that you kind of stumble into from time to time, be more intentional with that because this isn't just you these are other people that have been studying and practicing spiritual practice for a really long time and they say yeah. that it's worth doing so maybe pay attention to that
0: yeah well there's something too about when we when we look at our whole lives as an opportunity to meet with Jesus to you know to live the with god life as as some people say then we discover some of these things like we begin to realize wow so there's something about this connection between walking and moving and prayer for me that we can connect to in a way that is really really meaningful i think in the last episode i talked about how stargazing has been that for me right mm-hmm. if we're paying attention in our everyday lives that those kinds of opportunities show up and then we have these wonderful opportunities to then realize oh I'm also not the only one. This idea of walking and praying has been done for centuries. Like many, many people do it this way. And certainly that's validating and that's helpful. Um, But I would say it it grows. What I love about, about that kind of experience is how it grows out of us just simply trying to live our lives with God in the ordinary, normal, mundane parts of our day. So I think it's beautiful. And I, I love that that's something. I love that you thought that, that you invented that practice because you know what, Jenny, when I first started doing walking prayer, I thought I invented it. So you're not the only one who even thinks they invented it.
3: <laughs> no, but I do. But I think that is why it's really dangerous to only say there's four things on the menu. Yep. Because when you're only saying there's three, I mean, really, she was saying there's three, you know, there's Bible, prayer, worship, and then sometimes fasting. So when you're mm-hmm. saying there's only four things on the menu, and you're not doing one of those things on the menu, it feels very kind of scandalous, or yeah. like, oh, is this, is it, does this actually count? Or is this approved or, yeah. or anything like that? Um, when it's so rigid, there's a reason that we thought we did it because no one talked about it. It wasn't, offered yeah. up as a as a choice for us. Yeah, so I think it totally makes sense that 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 correlation is happening, you know.
0: Yeah. Well and and I think that I th- also think it's important for us to realize that those uh, those things that we would we we have a tendency to label as a practice period, something like prayer or scripture, it's really like scripture isn't a practice. Scripture is really a category of practices. There are a multitude of ways to engage scripture as a spiritual practice. There's devotional reading. There's a practice like Lectio Divina. There's praying the scriptures. There's you know, meditation, which I know that word can be scary, but Look at how many times scripture talks about meditating on scripture. It simply means rereading something over and over and just kind of soaking in, like steeping in a passage. All of these are specific practices. And sometimes we find that there is a particular practice. There's often a way of engaging a particular practice that a church or a community talks about and the the danger in labeling it as there's just this one way to engage scripture in your spiritual practice when we only talk about one way what ends up happening is some people connect with that one way and they're like this is brilliant but then other people go this is i don't connect with this something's something isn't Connecting with this particular mode of engaging scripture and me and my personality. And now, one of two things is wrong. Either one of two things happens either there's something wrong with me that I can't connect to scripture in this way, or there's something wrong with God, that God doesn't want to meet with me in this way. But when we start to say, there are a multitude of ways to engage scripture. And the same thing is true of prayer, right? Prayer is more than just asking God for things, right? When we begin to talk about the various different ways of praying, the ways of engaging scripture, frankly, the different ways of worship. Worship isn't just singing. But when we t- begin to look at the different ways, all of a sudden I go, wow, I don't connect with just sitting down in the morning and spending 10 minutes reading my Bible. What I connect with is sitting down with three or four verses. And sitting with those for a longer period of time, maybe even for not just the day, but the week or the month with this one little section and steeping in it over time, well, all of a sudden we begin to realize, wow, this really important practice of scripture or the really important practice of prayer or worship or, or community, that these various w- modes of practice, different means of practice, help to sort of unlock these levels for us where we go, I can engage in scripture. That's really, really important. And it doesn't have to be this one way, but I have a multitude of ways to choose from. And Adele did a wonderful job of talking about how if, you, if this one way isn't working, find a way that is. Because there are, there are so many practices that we can do.
1: And one thing that came to mind as you were saying that, Jason, is that I think for me, for for many years and, and still currently at points, I think I lose sight of the fact that these practices are a means to an end and not the end in themselves. I think it's very mm-hmm. easy to think, I'm gonna read my Bible, that's the end activity, I check it off, I've done it for today, rather than mm-hmm. I'm gonna read my Bible, because it's the means by which I can enter God's presence, I can connect with him, I can be intentional about my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you start thinking that way, you think, okay, so how can I do this in a way that I'm really wired up so that it it is the most effective means.
0: Yeah I think that's really good and if that we 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 remember that the spiritual practices are a means and not an end but I think it's really important that we also pay attention to what the the end actually is because I think we can get sidetracked when we think the spiritual practices are actually about Uh, maybe earning God's favor or making God happy with us, or God is going to give us something if we read our Bible in a particular way or do something. But to always remember that the end of the spiritual practices is simply being with Jesus.
3: So Jason, what stood out to you?
0: Yeah, I, I really resonated with the invitation to examine and follow our desires. And if I'm honest, I have, I have sort of a love-hate relationship with desire. For one, I struggle with some teachers who speak of desire in such a way that places us or places me at the center of this journey of faith. There are some who I think uphold or even promise uh, personal comfort or success as the result of following Jesus, but we're forgetting that the invitation to follow Jesus is really one of constant surrender. To follow Jesus, we have to stop following after comfort and achievement and reputation and experiences. And I struggle with this personally because I have such a strong desire for a good reputation. I want people to like me. I I want people to think that I'm good at hosting this podcast. (laughs) But what I appreciate so much about what Adele shared is that she helps us to examine our desires as an invitation from God. That if we follow our desires, the real desire beneath the way a desire sort of presents itself, if we get to that desire behind the desire, we realize that that desire is really only ever met in a relationship with Jesus. And in my life, I've seen how spiritual practices both help me to hear or notice the invitation from God that's behind the desire. And the practices also help me to live with God in such a way that I find a sense of home in the Lord. I've seen how the desire that I have for reputation is really an invitation to know God's personal love for me in a more meaningful way. And then when I engage in spiritual practices, God just seems to show me over and over again how loved I am. And so, friends, at the end of every podcast, we want to leave you with an invitation Podcasts can be a wonderful way to share information. And I hope that we learn a lot together this season, but we hope that this podcast will take us deeper than rational knowledge. Our hope is that this time together will lead us all into a deeper experience with Jesus in our everyday lives so that we might grow in relationship with him and be formed by Jesus to be like Jesus. So if you're willing, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, would you simply turn your attention to Jesus might even take a deep breath and remember the promise of scripture that right now we are in the presence of God. This week, I wonder if you would be willing to examine your desires. In Mark 10, Jesus asks a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And I wonder if Jesus were to ask you this question today, how would you respond What do you want me to do for you? What do you desire? What are you seeking? If you were to explore the depths of your heart, what are you longing for? Maybe it's a desire for meaningful community or connection, or maybe it's a sense of purpose or meaning. Maybe your heart is broken over injustice in this world and you long for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Or maybe you simply desire to know that you are loved. This week, would you commit to spending time in conversation with the Lord about your desires? Maybe you'll read Mark ten forty-six to 52 each day and then talk to God and listen. What does God have to say about your desires? You might even consider including a spiritual practice that aligns with this desire in your daily rhythm. Would you be willing to join us in this? Jesus, like Bartimaeus, we are calling out to you from the roadside. Have mercy on us. We offer our desires to you surrendering ourselves and inviting you to do what you will in our lives. We trust you, Jesus, because we know you are good and you love us. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you've been with us. If this has been helpful, would you be willing to take a moment to subscribe, rate, or review this podcast? This will help more people to find it, and we pray to be invited into a deeper experience of Jesus in their lives. Heck, why not do all three subscribe, rate, and review? You can do it right now. You might also consider who in your life would be blessed by this podcast and sharing it with them. Finally, I hope that you'll join us next week as we visit with author and teacher Ruth Haley Barton. Ruth is the founder and president of the Transforming Center. She was on staff at Willow a number of years ago, and today she teaches, leads retreats, and has written some incredible books like Sacred Rhythms and Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. We'll be asking Ruth why spiritual practices are so important. You won't want to miss this wonderful conversation. May the peace of Christ be with you this week.